on somebody? Man, I just went back to get some coffee. It's strong this morning. Who made that? Who brewed that stuff? Salute. Who has coffee? And now you wonder why we have concrete floors. Now you know, because you spill coffee. <laughs> Not me. I have a table. Uh, we may be getting some, some really cool theater chairs. A pastor here in town I used to lead worship for, uh, Randall Cunningham. How many know who he is? How many Eagles fans out there? Come on, some playoffs. Y'all watch football, right? Any, anyone from Philly? Come on, straight from Philly right here. We know Scott is. Have you guys checked out their Philly cheesesteaks yet right here in the corner? Oh, yeah. Pastor Randall Cunningham used to play for the Eagles, and I, I, I had the honor of leading worship for him for a while and, uh, and being a part of that, that church plant. But now he has a church, uh, a very successful, about a thousand-member church over on Bermuda and Windmill called Remnant Ministries, and he has 700 theater chairs, like really nice red velvety with cup holders. Can you just kind of prophetically imagine, get some spiritual vision? The ones that lean back a little, and you better not fall asleep when I'm preaching to you, but that's what we may end up having in here. How many say, come on somebody. We have uh, a lot of other needs, like how many think we need a stage? It's kind of, you know, it's kind of cool, but when we're doing productions and certain things, like on Christmas Eve, if you're sitting in the back, you couldn't see anything going on up here. Um, so we do, we need a screen too, a projector, um, but thank God for uh, blessings and connections. God is so faithful. So uh, maybe in a few weeks, you'll be sitting in some nice new theater chairs. Uh, that's a blessing. Well, uh, good morning, everyone. I don't know what time it is, um, but it's time for me to preach. I do know that. It's 11, It's 10.54. I'm getting used to this 10 a.m. thing. Um, so I'm going to go for it for about 20 or 30 minutes, and, and then we'll pray, and, and I'll dismiss you. How many are glad they're part of a church that loves to worship? Come on. I, you know, I, I think that there could be... Now, don't, don't take this the wrong way, but sometimes... Uh, churches that that go a long time in worship, uh, sometimes it's it's overly mystical, um, and sometimes it's a little gnostic, um, and and that's not what we are. We know that we have access to God, and we know that we can uh, enjoy the presence of the Lord together. Um, and it's so important as a church that we be a church that that sees the hand of God on the body of Christ today. That worship and prayer. Uh, merging together and also just the, the worship, the music, the creativity is going to continue to increase. His glory is just going to get thicker and thicker and thicker until Jesus himself returns in all of his glory. Um, I, I think it's really important that you understand that you're a part of a church that loves to worship. And we don't love to worship because we are mystical. We are mystics. How many know we're mystics in, in a sense? Uh, we know that we live both in the spirit and in the natural realm. Um, heaven and earth uh, are not uh, getting closer and closer. Heaven and earth merge in the person of Jesus Christ. Heaven and earth is inside of you. Heaven and earth in the Bible was a Hebrew idiom of the temple, but now you're the temple. And we're the temple. So if people want to experience heaven, they just need to come into the, in, the, in the presence of someone who carries the presence of God. Come on, somebody. And, and I, I think it's important to understand that as that took place, as heaven and earth merged, now there is an increase of it. We still pray the Lord's Prayer, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But we have to understand that heaven is here and heaven is increasing in the earth. Amen. Amen. 
I know some of you are feeling me right now. Some of you are like, that sounds pretty bold. It is the truth because some of the prayers that the prophets prayed were answered in Jesus. You know, Isaiah said, open the heavens and come down. How many know that we live under an open heaven because Jesus is within us. And when he prayed, the heavens open. And if we're supposed to be like him, when we pray, the heavens open. So if we pray without ceasing, we're under an open heaven all the time. Come on, somebody. Wherever I go, there's an open heaven. And so your heart has to be aware of that. But I want to just share my heart with you a little bit about one of our core values, which is our first core value, which is encountering God's presence. See, as a church, we, we don't just hold it as a core value because it sounds cool and because we like worship and we want, you know, cool. How many think we have some pretty cool musicians, except the guy in the center there. He's kind of old. Um, 39. I'm 39, right? Surprise. I look about 24. Come on, somebody. Someone said I looked 32 yesterday. I'm like, you're awesome. I really do, though. Uh, but we have some cool musicians, you know, like we want a projector. We like that stuff. Like God uses creativity and the arts, and that's good. How many think those tools are good? How many think God uses that, right? He created it. He gives us the, the understanding and creativity to, uh, I mean, you know, a Christian should be leading when it comes to creative music and worship. And, and we don't just have a core value of encountering the presence of God, uh, not just in worship, but we don't have that just because, oh, that sounds cool. That sounds like we're spiritual. Like we love God first and we put God first. That's not really why. The reason why is because we believe that that is the priority of the church. See, the church as a body should be experiencing the manifest presence of God every time we come together. Of course, individually, of course, in our prayer times. I mean, some of you, you love to pray. You love to worship. Some of you wake up and you put worship on. How many crazy mystics do we have in this place? The first thing you do when you get up, you put worship on. Come on. Some of you put Joyce Myers on. Um, some of you put Pastor Zach on. Come on, somebody. Our podcast, EncounterLV.com. A little shameless plug right there. But, but we love to we love to posture ourselves in a place where, oh, we just we get to enjoy who God is. Now, we know God is with us. We know God lives inside of us. How many can say amen? But there's something that happens when we come together. It's it's almost like there's humidity in the air everywhere. I mean, you know that in Las Vegas doesn't have that much humidity. If you're from down south, anyone here from down south where it's so humid, you take a shower and you're wet all day. One of those things. We were in uh, San Antonio during the summer. It was like 100% humidity and 100 degrees, and I thought I was going to (laughs) die. I called the intercessors, and I'm like, pray for us right now. I was literally melting. Uh, do you remember that? And we're doing the river walk. It was a blast. But some places, it's really humid. Now, in Vegas, it's not quite as humid. But there's still humidity in the air, although you don't see it. God's everywhere. And there's some places where the glory, the tangible manifest presence is increased. Now, this is how the ancient rabbis understood it in the tabernacle, that God was everywhere. And even Moses said, Lord, I'm not going unless your presence goes with me. Well, if he's omnipresent, then what was Moses talking about? He's talking about the manifest presence of God, the glory of God. Amen. It's okay if I teach you this morning a little bit. So as people, we carry the glory of God. Paul said uh, to the church of Corinth, he said, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. See, when you received Jesus, when you said, Abba, Father, and when you said, Jesus, I love you, and you let him in your heart, and you, you received forgiveness of your sins. That the Bible says in, in uh, Galatians 4, 6, the Spirit of Christ came and it dwelt in your heart, and you cry out, Abba, Father. Yeah. 
The Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. And so we know that we carry the presence of God. We know that He's with us. We know that He's everywhere in a sense. But in another sense, when we come together, we all carry the humidity, if you will, or the divine precipitation, if you will, of the presence of God. But when we come together and our hearts are oriented at the King of Kings, there begins to form a weightier divine precipitation. It's the corporate presence of God. It's... It's the reality that not only are we individually carriers of the presence of God, but we're corporately carrying the presence of God. As a matter of fact, there's things that happen as we become the temple of God corporately. Now, I think there's a lot of Christians that they understand that we're they're a temple of the Holy Spirit. But I want to say this, that there are some church gatherings that are just gatherings and, and the presence, the manifest presence isn't always there. Can I say that? Hello? I mean, I've visited places and that do things really well. Some things way better than us. Uh, but there, was, there wasn't much manifest glory. And I was thirsty. And, and one thing I know about our house is we can get better at a lot of things. But one thing I know that, we're, that, that we have uh, an awareness of and our heart is postured to is that we are to be a dwelling place for God. And our, our church gatherings are centered around the presence of God. Not because we want to just experience things, but because we love Him. Because we want to be in the presence of Papa God. Because those moments in worship, those moments in prayer, those moments when you, you time stands still and, and you want to freeze the moment, those moments where you hear the voice of the Lord saying, The moments where you know, no matter what's going on in your life, everything's going to be okay. He loves me. And it doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter uh, what your ride was on the way here. Although many times, you know, uh, we come to church to lay our burdens at the altar, so to speak. It doesn't matter where, it's those moments in the presence of the Lord. And, and we're going to begin to journey on this as a church. As we gather as one church for 10 a.m., I don't know how long we're going to be able to do it. We're going to add maybe a Saturday night service or an earlier Sunday morning. And some of you, that serves you well. So we want to serve you well. But as we have time together as one, we're going to journey with some of the things that happen as a body experiences the manifest presence of God. Now, it, it is so important that we get this, that... Uh, it's like the presence of the Lord is tangible and normal Christianity is a church gathering that isn't just a gathering of a bunch of different parts of a body, but we actually become assembled together for purpose. Like if I had to, and I'll do the illustration sometime, but if I had a bunch of parts of a bicycle up here, you might not be able to tell what it was unless you looked at maybe the tires um, until that bike with all of its individual parts becomes assembled, it cannot be mobilized for what it was intended for. The same thing with the body. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, that in Ephesians chapter 4, that we become fitly framed together in the presence of God. Now, now there's a lot involved in that. Um, and we're going to get more into that. But today, I want to talk to you about the pure wells of His presence. I believe the church is in route or on the way to uh, a little bit of a fork in the road. And I think there's a lot of great 
assemblies and, and ministries that, that value certain things and they value entertainment and they value excellence. And I love that. But, but as a church, I, this is just my heart. I, I've wrestled with this for a long time. Uh, I, I've had deep conversations with my wife about it, you know, and, and I feel like the church is, is going to be on a journey in the next couple decades where there's going to be a choice that people uh, that, that are called to just gather together, they have to either prioritize the presence of God or other things. And I think that it's coming to that place. Like it's coming to that place where it's like, okay, like we, we either got to just... Uh, uh, we've got to prioritize the presence of the Lord, not preaching, uh, not a discipleship class, not being just seeker friendly. And I, I do believe in being seeker aware. Amen. But I believe in being Holy Spirit friendly because he's better than us at that kind of stuff. Because when people encounter the presence of God, it doesn't really matter if, whether you try to be seeker friendly. I mean, you, right? Come on, somebody. How many know the Holy Spirit's a gentleman until he decides not to be? Because he's God, right? How many here experience? I know uh, Rob did. You guys have heard Rob Radosi's testimony. Like, you know, we think that God, God is just, oh, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He'll never invade. No, sometimes he'll just come like a mighty rushing wind in fire and knock you on your bootay. Because you need it. Paul on the road to Damascus, right? Knocked him off his horse. And so there, there's that encounter that we have with God. And as a church called Encounter Church Las Vegas, we believe in the encounter. We believe that people should be encountering and experiencing God. As a matter of fact, the church is not a place of discipleship. Uh, what? I'm leaving this fellowship. This is my first time. <laughs> first time visitors. I'm not making fun of you. I don't even know if there's first time visitors. I'm just weird. I'm sorry. No, I'm not going to apologize for who I am. If it offends you, I mean, I love you. You'll just get used to me. The church isn't just a place for discipleship. Let me rephrase. The church isn't just a place for evangelism. The church isn't just a place for potlucks. Although we all love potlucks. Come on, somebody. I haven't ate breakfast again. I just had a couple pieces of fruit. How many enjoy the continental breakfast out there? Isn't that nice? The church isn't just a place for equipping. It is a place for that, but it isn't just that. And it's not primarily supposed to be about that. It's primarily supposed to be about allowing him to invade who we are so we can become who we are. It's about uh, him molding us as one and fitly framing us together and teaching us to love. Because when you're in the presence of God, you're in the presence of Mr. Love. I just can't love in my marriage. Just, just worship God with your wife. Just come together. I just can't forgive that person. Treasure them in your heart in the presence of God. You'll forgive them. See, there's something that happens as a church comes and says, I want to encounter God. When my wife and I, when we said, let's just go for this, let's do it. We wanted it to be a place of encounter. I don't want just excellent things, plasma screens and all the good stuff a church can offer me, a comfortable cue. I want Jesus. I want to encounter God. I want to experience the presence of God. And I don't want to drink from a bitter well. I want to drink from a well that's pure, that's going to quench this thirst of mine. And I believe that the church is coming to a place where God wants to make her a well-watered garden. But we have to prioritize the presence of, of God. 
We have to prioritize Him. We have to come to that place where our hearts are postured and say, Oh, we just want your presence, God. I don't need a spotlight. I don't need to be significant in some form of leadership. I don't need to be, come on, are you hearing me this morning? I don't need to be significant in a platform. Come on. I don't need to be in a light because I am the light of the world. I don't need a platform position. I don't find my significance in that. I'm not identified in my gifts. I'm not significant just because I prophesy over someone. I just want to be a doorkeeper that jealously guards the presence of God because that is the most valuable thing we have. And if I'm a doorkeeper, then I'm willing to just say, I just want to be in the same room that he comes. When God comes in power, I just want to be there. I can sit in the back row. I don't care what what I'm a part of. I don't need to be in the inner circle in Christianity and churchianity. Come on, somebody. I don't have time for religious politics. I want God. I don't have time for all that stuff because to see a generation discipled and really see Christianity grow in love, forgiveness, acceptance, and being who we are called to be and presented to the world, a dying and hurting world, it's not going to be with all the programs and all the other stuff. I could use another word, but it would offend your religiousness. All the crap. I don't want the crap anymore. Come on, somebody. And when a church gets dissatisfied enough and they get hungry, something happens. If everyone in this room at the same time was hungry and said, we just want living water, God. I would have to stop preaching. So if you don't like my preaching, get hungrier. If we all just stop and said, God, we just want your presence to invade this house. In such a way that we tremble, God, that we're just awakened, that we're the reality of who, who you've created us to be comes alive. And, and everything that we've carried, burdens and shackles and yokes and, and addictions and all that just is broken in a moment of encounter. And we, and we begin to run the race. And we as a house of God carry such a glory that the world is drawn. And they say, I want to come and get healed. I don't care if it's a physical ailment or a battle that they've been battling with or a hurt or affliction. They'll come just to sit in the presence of a healing God. And Las Vegas needs a re-representation of who God really is. And when we encounter him, we know how how much he loves us. And it just just changes us. And and we begin to actually love one another. We could just do about ten sermons on that right there. Because... We, we love to, you know, I, I feel like sometimes, I haven't even got to the text. I don't even know what's going on up here. But I'm just, no, I do know what's going on. I'm preaching. That's what's going on. I, I feel like sometimes we're just we're like zombies in church. You know, there's a fascination with this living dead thing for years. I mean, some of you don't act like you never watch a horror movie or you never have. Some of you have watched, who watches suspense and some of those thrillers? Come on. There we go. Honesty. Come on. Honesty. If you're going to be honest, be honest in church, right? They're just a monarchy. There's this fascination with fear. It's funny. People won't watch a horror movie, but they live in fear in every other area of their life. So don't be religious, okay? I, I personally don't watch that because my wife won't. I tried to get her to watch scary movies. And the reason is, maybe I'm a little insecure still. Hey, I'm still growing in Christ, okay? But I want to walk through a haunted house and I want her to cling to me and say, You are my man. I love you. You protect me, baby. Screaming. And, I got you, girl. 
surround her, my love, my big arms, swole arms. <clears throat> Glory. Sometimes we see ourselves totally different, don't we, than we really are. There's a fascination with fear, though, isn't there? There's a fascination with The Walking Dead. Who, who's ever watched that? Come on, The Walking Dead. It's basically, uh, it's, it's about zombies, okay? If you haven't seen it, I, I'm not going to spoil it for you. I may spoil in a moment another movie, but The Walking Dead is like a TV series. It's about zombies, and, and these are just zombies. There was like this viral thing that happened, and, and it affects everybody. It's a typical zombie story, right? And, uh, but basically this, yes, it's, it's about zombies, but there's love, there's marriage, there's relationships, there's betrayal. So basically it's the most violent soap opera imaginable. That's the walking dead for you. Save you the time. If you don't like soap operas, you might not like it. If you like gore and all that, then you'll like this. It's really gory too. But then there's, there's other movies like, there's this one. And if you haven't seen it. I apologize if I spoil it for you. It's called Warm Bodies. Who's ever seen that movie? I, I, it's it's amazing because it's not. It's not, I think it's PG thirteen, but it's it's like uh, it's a little violent, but it, it's, it has like this prophetic meaning to it. it. It's so powerful. Who's seen that? Raise your hand if you have. Who's seen it? Okay, I'm gonna spoil it for everybody then. <laughs> I think that Christianity is a lot like this this fascination we have with zombies. I think we've been infected with the virus of just being a walking dead person. And, and when we experience God, we actually come alive. I feel like sometimes, and listen, don't, no, no, that's not true. Well, listen, we do it like in our prayer meetings, we'll do this sneaky posture because prayer is so dead and zombified that we'll do the sneaky posture like we're really deep, but we're actually in a position, if we fall asleep, no one else will see in the room. It's called sneaky prayer postures. You know you've done it. I've done it. Yes, Lord. I'm just soaking. I'm just soaking in the presence of God. I'm just drinking in the, the wine of his love. You know, we, we act like everyone else in the room. And, and we just, in essence, never really discovered who we are. But we're just acting like everyone else. We say hallelujah just like everybody else. We're just mimicking each other in a sense. Hello? We're all zombies. I snap a fish, a slap a fish on the back of my... I slap a fish. You ever slapped a fish before? A fish bumper sticker on the back of my car. I'm a Christian now. You graduated. Praise God. We got the lingo. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. We, 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 we're zombies. In, in one sense, we just walk around. We do the same thing. When we get in the religious routine, we walk in, praise God. And we sit down. We got our spot in the chair, our spot in the church, you know. That's my seat, glory to God. I think that we need an awakening. I think we need to encounter the presence of God. Now, in this movie, Warm Bodies, this zombie, there's all these zombies. Uh, and, and there's two different kinds, but they're... There, I'll just be brief, but basically this, this zombie comes alive because he falls in love with this girl. It's so cool. And, and now all of them learn to live again because of love. And there's this big wall that separates the dead from the undead, church and the non-church. Come on, somebody. And at the end, the wall comes down all because of love. I think if we experience the presence and the love of God the way God wants to pour it out. If, 
if we're ready, if we're open to it, if we, if we, we learn to love, we learn to forgive, we learn and we just say, God, we, we want to prioritize the presence of the Lord more than anything else. I think that we would come alive. I think we would uh, get rid of this zombified Christianity that we've walked in for a long time. How many are with me this morning? I really believe in this generation. I believe that as a, a, a uh, as a church, we're going to see the church continue to go from glory to glory. I believe the church is is awakening to this thing. I believe that we are coming back to the understanding that the presence of God should be prioritized in the house of God, in our gatherings, and that we're not just gathering uh, together, but we're actually being assembled. And as an assembled church, we can accomplish so much more. As an assembled church, you know, Jesus said, if two or more shall agree. Let let me just, let's just turn to Matthew chapter 18 real quick. I was going to read Psalm 73. Uh, If you have your Bible, let me close with Matthew 18. You have your Bibles this morning? You have your iPhones? Do you have your iPads or tablets? Turn to Matthew chapter 18. Now, this verse is so powerful and many times we'll just quote the one thing Jesus said in reference to gathering together. But I want to I just uh, I wanna unpack something for you in this portion of scripture. And let's just start reading Matthew chapter 18. Are you all with me this morning? Chapter 15, or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Are you ready? If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take two others along so that every matter may be established by a testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell the church. If they refuse to listen, uh, even to the church, then treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. Now let's keep reading verse Uh, 18, it says here, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Now let's stop there for just a moment. Uh, The binding and loosing thing, I do believe that there is an authority that God gives us as a key in the kingdom of heaven where we can close doors that need to be closed according to uh, what God is doing and declaring in the earth. Amen. And we can open doors that need to be opened that no man can close. And I do believe, in essence, that we can bind things and we can loose things. But I think uh, in a historical context, the scriptures, Jesus, especially in Matthew 16, when he first mentions this, he's talking about all of heaven being, in essence, behind his people, behind the church. So all of heaven is behind what we do. This is why it's very important we guard what we say, Christians. There's a lot of power in our words. And we have to be careful when we begin to slander and accuse. And there's power in our words. We should be a loving church. Many times I don't think we realize we're out there trying to, uh, trying to bind the devil, but we're slandering people. In essence, Satan is using our tongue. What we need to do is bind our mouths. That's a good word. Preach it, Pastor. Come on, somebody. So Jesus is dealing with the relational aspect of brothers and sisters in Christ. He's dealing with the relational thing. How important it is. As a matter of fact, another place it says, before you bring your gift to the altar, uh, make sure that you don't have aught with somebody. Now there's a reason why, uh, and, and we're going to get into that more, but let me read this scripture to you. This is so important. Uh, in, verse, uh, in verse 19, again, I truly tell you that if two of you are on earth agree 
about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now that verse is quoted often out of context, and we put it into our charismania, and we just say, well, just agree with me, and I can have whatever I want. I need a new BMW. Can you pray the prayer of agreement with me? <laughs> Praise God. And if you're not doing what I want you to do, I'll even agree with someone in prayer that you do, which is basically manipulation. Like, we've done it all, right? Come on, somebody. Have you ever done that before? Don't lie. You've done it. The prayer of agreement. The prayer of agreement. But if we look at the, the, the context of what Jesus is saying, he's really talking about the heart of a person joined to the heart of another individual. That doesn't have ought, that doesn't have forgiveness, that there's no barrier between. There's no, uh, there's no stuff going on relationally between the two. Amen? Now Jesus says, if two or more shall agree. Now the word agree is not just agree. Like, would you agree with me? It's actually symphony. It's, it, it, it's where we get the word symphony. As a matter of fact, the, way that, the best way to describe it is in music. Like if these instruments are out of tune, if they all start playing what they think is the same key and they're not in tune, it's not going to sound very good. And there's something in the presence of God as we come together where his love, it tunes the strings of our heart where we no longer see each other the way we have in the past, but we see each other, listen to me, in the light of his presence and we value one another to the utmost because the glory of God just comes and increases on us. And when that happens, the weight of God comes. When the weight of God comes, the scale tips and we realize how much more valuable we are. Hello? The kabod of God, the very word kabod is where we get that the picture of the scale, the two sides. And when God adds weight, he adds his glory. His presence to a house, to a people. We begin to see each other covered in the glory of God. And we value one another. And now our hearts are tuned by His love. And we actually are a symphony, a harmonious, beautiful song and sound to the earth, the people that are around us. And we actually love each other. And when that, but this is important. If two more shall agree, it's not just agree. It's when your heart is joined. So when your heart is joined, there's power. And then He says this. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with them. He manifests and reveals himself where we are in harmony. That's not just being in the same room. Amen? That doesn't just mean praying together either. Because you could pray with someone and your heart might not be joined to theirs. Hello? You could be married to someone and you might not be in harmony with them. It's the same thing with our relationship with the Lord. I'm one with Him. I'm bonded with Him in a sense. But I'm also in a relationship where I must be in harmony with God. Where I join my heart to the Lord. And I join my heart to the people of God. Now when that happens, God manifests His glory. When we all get thirsty and we all get enough dissatisfied with the out there. That we can just say, God, we want you. God, we want to see a revolution in your church, a turnaround, an awakening where the presence of God is prioritized, where there's no limits, there's no boundaries, where the presence of God comes in such a way where it just floods the earth until the earth is covered with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. See, when Isaiah encountered the Lord, he didn't just see God and say, I'm undone, but he heard the angels saying, the whole earth is full of his glory. When you encounter God, you get heaven's perspective on the earth. Amen. That's a good place to say amen. At least make me feel a little better about myself. Praise God. If we want to see God manifest, we don't just gather, but we're in harmony. We're in agreement. This is why in communion, 
when we come to the table of the Lord, if we have something against a brother, let's make it right. You know, churches that talk about this won't grow as fast as the churches that don't. Churches that talk about real life and forgiveness and walking through things with people and forgiving those people that betray you, people don't like that. And people don't like, I mean, really, can I just be honest with you? People don't like deep wells. But I believe that we are created to be a deep well. And we're at the tipping point in Christianity where everyone's going to come running to the oasis of the wellspring of his presence. And the church of the living God will prioritize again the presence of the Lord, the way that we are made to. Before Paul talks about equipping and all that stuff, he says, you were created to be a dwelling place for God in the spirit. Ephesians chapter 2. Yes, and everything flows out of that because it flows out of the fact that we come together and I get experience the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which means I experience real relationship, real prayer, real worship, real community. And out of that springs life. And I want to be alive. I don't want to be a zombie. I want love to awaken my heart. I don't want to just do what everyone else is doing. I want to come and come alive in who I was created. And guess what? In that movie, Warm Bodies, when they came alive, one of the one of the ways they knew is because he bled. He's bleeding. He's not a walker anymore. You'll bleed when you're alive. Oh, everything's just fine. You know, if you're not experiencing hurt, pain, or sacrifice, then love is just an idea to you. One of the reasons we don't like real community, it means real sacrifice. Because when we become fitly framed together, God's got to chisel the stones, the living stones. And it doesn't feel that good. Oh, how many want to just respond to that altar call? There's an invisible chisel of heaven up here. Who wants to be chiseled? Praise God. I really believe... Uh, in, in the vision of this house. I believe that it's not just an idea that we had. I don't believe that. I believe it's his vision. I believe it's God's vision to prioritize the presence of the Lord. And I, I want to see life. I want to see life and rivers flow. Jesus said in John seven thirty seven, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. And out of, his, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. He told the woman uh, at the well, he said, I will make in you that well. When you drink this water, it'll be a well in you springing up into everlasting life. See, God, Jesus came and encountered this woman who had experienced deep rejection and pain in the depths of her well, in the depths of her heart, the intent of her heart, the purpose of her heart. God came and encountered the, the deepest places of her heart. Why? Because he wanted pure waters to come out. Because she was going to preach to a whole people group. Samaria and revival broke out with one encounter with God. Uh, in closing, Isaiah 58 11, I want to just read this to you. This is so powerful. Isaiah 58 11, did I go too long? No, it's 11 27. Glory to God. Isaiah 58 11, I believe this is a prophetic verse for the new year. This is the first Sunday of 2015, and I believe this is where we're headed. And there's fruitful things headed your way. There's, it, it, it's, this is going to be such a prosperous new year for your businesses. Come on, somebody. For your, there's favor increasing. Because when the glory of God increases. How many know the house of Obadiah where the ark was just nearby? Their house was blessed. See, when the presence of God invades your life, when you're aware of what heaven is doing, that reality comes and manifests in all kinds of ways. Fruitfulness and blessing is coming. 
Isaiah 58, 11, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun scorched land. How many think that is Las Vegas? Come on, somebody. And he will strengthen your frame. Come on, New Year's resolution. How many got a gym membership? I told you guys a couple weeks ago, I missed my, uh, my workout. Dude, that's, that's the, it's basically been that way for the last five years. So praise God, cheer me on. I told you all my, my, uh, my swimsuit says you need to go to the gym, but my, uh, my sweat said, boy, you look fine. Also, buddy, he will strengthen your frame. He will strengthen your innermost being that you're strong in him. You're, you're created to be, to be alive in God and there's inner strength. Come on, somebody. There's, you're strong on the inside. Your soul prospers. The deepest part of your being is strong. He strengthens your frame. Now listen, it says, you'll be like a well-watered garden. I speak that over this house. That as we come together, knowing that we carry the glory, that there's a divine precipitation. And such a precipitation, the weight just causes us to bow and come under what God is doing in the earth. But it's not just a normal well. It's not just a well, but it's a well that is pure. Because the heart's intentions of God's people are pure. God's leaders are pure. That we don't have all these other agendas about building an empire. We just want to see God invade the earth. And we want to love people well. We're not in it for position or platform, but we're in it to love people. Amen. Now look, here's what he says. He says, you'll be like a well-watered garden. And this is so powerful. It says, like a spring whose waters never fail. Now, in one sense, that means that the, the spring just keeps coming forth. There's two translations that say whose waters will never deceive or lie. Now, that's interesting to me because I believe that there is a mixture of a lot of well springs. And I think as the people of God, we need to guard our hearts well. That the spring that's coming out of our life is pure. Amen. So you have a responsibility, even as a new covenant, new creation Christian. You still have a heart and a will. You don't have a sin nature anymore because that died with Jesus. Amen. You have a new heart, which means you, your heart normally, by grace, as you receive grace, gravitates toward who you are in Christ. You have new desires. You, uh, Amen. Come on, somebody. You, you're not trying to kill the old dog every day. We don't believe that. I was crucified with Christ, and now I'm being made alive daily in the resurrection power. But I want you to understand, you still have a, a responsibility to guard your heart. And as a people, we, we come to this place where like, God, I, not only do I want my, my community to be just a wellspring of the presence of the Lord, but I want the well of the ministry and what you've called me to do to be pure, which means if I'm a business person, there's integrity, there's character, amen. And that means I'm a leader, then, then I'm not going to minister out of hurt and brokenness and bitterness because I minister who I am. I don't want people drinking from a bitter well. If I got ought against somebody, I shouldn't be preaching or ministering to you. I can't minister healing and deliverance when I've got my own stuff. Have you ever heard in a prophetic word, you hear a prophetic word shift, and, and all of a sudden it's like, well, the first part was good, but the last part was kind of weird. Have you ever heard that? That's called a mixture of the well. Because if our heart is open to wrong things, that's what's going to flow out of our lives. Not every prophetic word is perfect. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't say, judge the prophetic words that come forth. Hello? 
It's important that we pray this prayer. God, I want to be like a well-watered garden, but I don't want to be a well that lies, a well that deceives. I want a pure rivers of God. I want pure well. There is a difference between the manifest uh, presence of God and someone just releasing their spirit in a room. I've heard some really good worship leaders that lead worship and "Ah, it feels pretty good in here. But it's a mixture between their spirit and God's spirit. I think it always is in a sense because God likes, he likes to come out in our flavor. He does. He created you with a unique personality. But if our heart is joined and beating at the rhythm of his heartbeat, there's a purity. When God comes in power, there's a weight. You know the difference because it's almost like, it's almost like everything just stops in a moment and your heart uh, bows and you're like, God, you're in this room right now. Papa just walked in this room. Because I'm being healed of some deep stuff. I haven't cried worship in, in like 10 weeks. God's here. You know what I'm talking about? There's a purity. Now as a house, we have a pure will. Let's keep it pure. Let's all orient our hearts. And say, God, we want to prioritize your presence. We want you. And our hearts begin to detach from maybe the wrong things, wrong relationships, bitterness, unforgiveness. I want to really be in agreement, which means I'm going to make it right with my brother or my sister. And I'm going to keep my heart postured in the presence of God. And I'm a forgiving person. I'm just like God, in essence. My heart is just like God's. The glory rested on the, on the mercy seat where there was no retention of sin. The glory rests on a church of people whose hearts don't retain sin. And I'm not talking about walking perfectly. I'm talking about hearts that love like God. Amen. Amen. Are you with me this morning? Can we close in this, in this semblance and just say, God, just say, Father, I want your presence more than anything else. We don't need to be weird. We don't need to, we don't just want a manifestation. We want you. We just love your presence. We love being with you, God. We love sitting close to you and, and hearing your heart. As we posture our hearts to heaven, it, it's as if, like James said, we're drawing near. God's not far, but it's, a, it's an idiom. It's, a, it's an expression. It's a figure of speech that I'm, I'm actually posturing my heart to a place where I'm more aware of his love and his heart beating for me. And God, we want to be a people. We want, I want to be uh, an individual that, that whose heart has pure motives and uh, no agenda, God. And, and there's this pure river of heaven flowing out. How many would say that about their own life and ministry and who they are? Come on, in relationships. I just, I want to, I want to love well, God. I I don't want to look good. I want to love well. And in order for me to love well, I've got to uh, posture myself to prioritize your presence, God. You invading this space that it's not just space in a room, but it's sacred space. Holy moments. We want holy moments, God. Moments where your love is revealed, God. Moments where your heart manifests and, and we just, we, have, we come under the weight of your splendor, your majesty, your love, your beauty. You're so beautiful, God. You're so full of love. Your heart is so pure. You love us so much, God. And we just barely begin to fathom your love and, we, and we're just undone all over again. We get jacked up all over again. Sometimes that's why we weep. Like in the book of James chapter 4, it says weep and lament. 
There's, there's a detachment that happens. Yes, there's times for laughter. And there's also times for the weeping of the Spirit of God because we detach from things in the natural. And our heart comes to this place where we say, God, we just want your presence because in you alone I'm complete. Even as a, as a husband, sometimes I, I, I have to make sure that my heart is first oriented to Jesus. My, that's my first love so I can have more love to give to my wife and my kids. And I've got to alone find my satisfaction in his presence. Come on, somebody. Your heart comes to this place where you say, God, I just want your presence. God, I just want you. I'm thirsty, Lord. I don't want the other stuff. I'm thirsty for living water. How many thirsty people are here this morning? Come on, would you lift your hands up right now and just drink in the rivers of his pleasure. Drink in the presence of God. I say, come, kingdom of God, in this place right now. Come, weight of his love and his glory and his mercy. Shout out, go say unto my